From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The election has been called and we fear it's going to get nasty. Politics has it's been pretty angry recently. We've got some MPs standing down, they say, because they just can't take the hate, they can't take the pain, the, the anger, the division in the House of Commons and beyond. Our associate editor, Julian Glover, on how a simmering culture war could explode this Christmas. Also... I think we're going to see quite an angry campaign. I mean, one of the things I'm quite worried about, actually, is the levels of aggression. The final Prime Minister's questions before the election was stormier than usual. Our Londoner editor Aisha Hazarika wonders if it set the tone. And Donald Trump's advisers will no doubt be strongly advising him not to intervene. Donald Trump is very much his own man and the temptation may prove just too strong for him. Donald Trump scheduled to make a UK visit right in the middle of the campaign. Our deputy political editor Nicholas Cecil asks if it'll make a difference. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, Julian Glover on the divided nation going to war with itself. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June 2024. Good luck. The deal is that and it is ready to be approved by a new parliament. We want this country to be rid of this reckless and destructive Conservative government. Joe Swinson. This is not only about whether we remain in the EU or whether we leave, it's about who we are as a country. We can all go like children, but we are trying to actually get something through. Labour's Jess Phillips at the end there, trying to get her voice heard in a Commons debate where Speaker John Burko was working overtime to keep the House in order. The election's been called for December 12th, and our editorial column says it's already looking ugly. Voters are no longer simply divided on economic lines, left versus right, but along cultural lines too, open versus closed. The Prime Minister wants, as always, to have his cake and eat it. He says this is an election about getting Brexit done, while scaring Remain-inclined voters with the economic threat of Jeremy Corbyn. Boris Johnson has friends in his effort to shape the subject of this contest. The Liberal Democrats who enabled this early battle also want this election to be all about Brexit and stopping it getting done. Only the Labour Party doesn't want to talk directly about Brexit. For it divides their support among those who feel left behind in depressed industrial towns from their young millennial support in the cities. This culture war already simmering here in the UK could explode in this election. Brexit is about how we see ourselves as individuals and as a country. 
It is a weapon in the war of identity that is now raging. Associate Editor Julian Glover, we do have an election. Who would have guessed that was coming? I think we did. Yes, the Evening Standard at the start of the year said this is a year there'll be a general election and we're sneaking under the wire. 12th of December, all underway. Nobody yet knows what's going to happen. The only thing we can tell is that lots of MPs in the current parliament don't want to take part. The news is full of people standing down. Lots of opportunity if you want to be an MP, get in there quickly. Is this just going to be about Brexit? Is that all anybody's going to decide upon? Well, today's leader tackles that question. Some of the parties want it to be about Brexit. The Conservative Party will say, get Brexit done, then move on to the big things in the future. By done, they're being a little thin with the truth because, of course, it's just get Brexit to the next stage of Brexit talks. Lib Dems, vote for them, stop Brexit. Labour, a bit more complex. They put out quite a smooth election video online. Big, big audience for that over the last 24 hours. It wasn't about Brexit. It was about Corbyn and the things that they want to do. And we say in the editorial today that there's a big chance it won't only be about Brexit because Brexit isn't really a thing. It's just another element in the in the identity war that that's sort of gripping the country. Where do you stand, open or closed, looking to the future, looking out to the world, or are you worried about the world and want to narrow down a bit? Brexit's a thing that's part of a bigger battle, not just a question on its own. The problem with elections around identity wars, though, is they can get pretty nasty. My identity's better than yours. Could this go that way? Oh, mine's much better than yours. <laughs> Come on. Um, no, it, it could get quite nasty. And and politics has it's been pretty angry recently. We've got some MPs standing down, they say, because they just can't take the hate. They can't take the pain, the, the anger, the division in the House of Commons and beyond. I think there is a chance, though, that this could resolve a few things. We could start to see People feeling they can vote for parties and candidates that they do support, that they feel more comfortable with than they have in the past. Lots of fluidity, people changing allegiances, people have moved party in the current parliament a lot. There are candidates for the Lib Dems who at the last election were Tories battling against the Lib Dems. We've got people like Dominic Grieve, highly respected figure, great Conservative MP until recently, now standing as an independent against the Conservatives. Maybe the Lib Dems will come on board. Looks like it, they won't stand there. They're going to help him. So perhaps we could see a bit of a, a reassignment rather than just rage. Now, Gillian, this is going to be my first election here at the Evening Standard. What can I expect from this newspaper? What you can expect is really good coverage of London, great team of reporters. People can go out and see what's happening in the city, take a sense of what's happening beyond London as well, look at the country, interviews, good commentary, energy, bright coverage and a liberal centrist view of the world. Not a party allegiance view, but a sense of modern Britain, a modern city, a world city that deserves a fair and interesting election and a strong and effective government afterwards to take the country forward. We'll be putting those politicians uh, under test, we're holding them to account, and then we'll be reporting the results and out the day after the election with all the coverage of whatever has happened. We'll be telling people why it happened. Next. There was lots of passion, the blood was up, you know, it was very much two tribes coming into the, the chamber. Aisha Hazarika assesses the final Prime Minister's questions before polling day. The last PMQs before the election started nicely, with tributes paid to outgoing in every manner of the word Speaker John Burko. Then normal service resumed, as Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn fired campaign lines at each other, and MPs showed their eagerness for an election by shouting as loudly as they could behind their leaders. 
Our Londoner editor Aisha Hazarika was watching it all out of the office. Aisha, it was very energetic. Is that the tone the campaign will take? Um, there was lots of passion. The blood was up. You know, it was very much two tribes coming into the, the chamber. In terms of who won, I have to say, I did think Jeremy Corbyn put in quite a decent performance, probably not an amazing performance. He's not hugely skilled at PMQs, but he was quite forensic. And I thought that the Prime Minister was a bit shouty and ranty. So I probably think Jeremy Corbyn did slightly better than is normally expected. The SNP was also very fired up um, as well. And I think that is going to be the tone of the campaign. Look, this is going to be one of the most interesting and intense uh, campaigns that we've seen for a long time. I mean, I actually think when we look back on 2017, we're going to think that was quite a dull campaign because Theresa May was a bit of a lacklustre performer. Boris Johnson, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he certainly likes getting out on the, the road. He's much more energetic. He's much more spirited. He's much more aggressive. I think we're going to see quite an angry campaign. I mean, one of the things I'm quite worried about, actually, is the levels of aggression. Politics has become incredibly toxic. We've seen quite a few female MPs stand down over the last couple of days, including Heidi Allen, because they've said that the, the atmosphere is just so horrible and nasty and frightening and intimidating that they just don't want to be part of it anymore for them and their family. So um, I do hope that all politicians, and indeed um, anybody who's reporting and commentating on the election, will be moderate in the, the language that they use. Were there any hints in there about what issues outside Brexit could come up over the next few weeks? Um, I think the NHS will come up a lot from the Labour Party. They will want to try and stay away from Brexit because their position is um, trying to still face in two directions, trying to please Leavers and Remainers, although they, they are saying that they want a people's vote. They will massively want to concentrate on things like schools, hospitals, public services, police... Um, local government services, adult social care, they're going to try and make this an austerity election. Whereas from the Prime Minister, we had lots of messages about Brexit, getting Brexit done, the risk of Jeremy Corbyn um, not just having one referendum, but two referendums, one referendum on um, Brexit, another referendum on the Scottish question which he um, alluded to. He did quite a stinging attack on the SNP and he also um, did a big a sort of attack on Jeremy Corbyn as this is a man that you can't trust with the economy. I was surprised actually that Jeremy Corbyn didn't hit back with a, a, another attack line on Boris Johnson saying, well, actually, if you look at your deal, then um, it looks like there's going to be around a 6% hit to the economy. We definitely know that these are the themes that will be coming up a lot. So get ready to, to look out for those. You'll be hearing those themes and those messages again and again and again on a loop. Ahead of the Rami, there were some nice words for the Speaker, John Burko, even from Boris Johnson. Mr Burko steps down tomorrow. He's been unusually influential in the Speaker's role, hasn't he? Such a big figure. You know, he really elevated that role of Speaker into something which is not just, you know, huge in this country. He's become a bit of a global figure. Uh, Joe Murphy and I interviewed him 
probably about a month or so ago now when he said that he was going to um, step down. And, you know, he's a fascinating man. He's been on quite a interesting political journey himself. He started off very much on the right wing of the party. He was very much part of something called the Monday Club, which was very, very hardline anti-immigration. He's been on quite a big progressive journey. And now one of the legacies in the House of Commons is that he really champions diversity, racial diversity, LGBT diversity. Um, he sort of opened up uh, Parliament to um, visitors and schools and he's tried to make the staff a bit more reflective of the society it serves. But the thing he will be known most for, and I think he's been a very good speaker from this point of view, is he's made Parliament relevant again. He's used um, urgent questions to give the opposition MPs much more of an opportunity to hold government ministers to account. So they will often sort of drag the, the minister away from the department or from a, of a visit to answer a really important question in the House of Commons. And of course, on the issue of the day Brexit, he's really tried to make sure that Parliament has not been sidelined. He's made sure that it hasn't just been a small group of people in the cabinet, the executive, that have um, had all the power. In my view, and I know this is controversial, many of our listeners may disagree, I think he has really upheld uh, the tradition of parliamentary sovereignty in this country. So I'm a big fan of his. I think very, very big boots to fill. And it's going to be fascinating to see who the next speaker will be. Um, I hope it will be uh, Harriet Harman. I do declare I used to work for her. I think it would be great to have an experienced woman in the role. But the other person who is um, very popular with the MPs is Lindsay Hoyle, who is the deputy speaker. So that is going to be very interesting to see who takes over. And they, of course, will have a huge role to play in shaping the next phase of Brexit and, um, you know, whoever is our Prime Minister after the general election. On December 3rd, Donald Trump is due to visit the UK. The trip's been scheduled for months, but no one expected it to come during a general election, just a few days before the polls open. Could it have an effect? Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil's in our Westminster office. Nick, why is Mr Trump coming here in the first place? Well, Donald Trump is coming to Britain for the for a two-day NATO summit in London, which starts on December the 3rd, and that will be just nine days before polling day on the 12th. Could that visit have an impact on the UK election? Well, it, it certainly could. Um, Donald Trump's advisers will no doubt be strongly advising him not to intervene in any way in the campaign. But Donald Trump is very much his own man, and the temptation may prove just too strong for him. From Boris Johnson's point of view, um, he could use Mr Trump's visit to highlight his prime ministerial credentials. He could be photographed standing shoulder to shoulder with Mr Trump and other world leaders discussing security issues at the NATO summit, such as Syria and Islamic State. From Jeremy Corbyn's point of view, he could to try and use a visit to trumpet his claim that Mr Johnson is pursuing a Trump deal Brexit. And this, he would argue, would see Britain open up to US agricultural imports such as chlorinated chicken and the NHS to US pharmaceutical giants. And in PMQs today, Jeremy Corbyn was raising the prospect of US involvement in the NHS following any kind of post-Brexit UK-US deal. Well, this story has flared up again uh, because after a Channel 4 dispatches report on Monday, which said that there had been six meetings between UK and US trade officials at which drug pricing was mentioned. 
Now, the health secretary was asked about this, that, about this report this morning and did not deny that these meetings had taken place. Um, he said there'd be no formal meetings where drug pricing was discussed and that it's against government policy to make any changes to drug pricing. But, but certainly Mr Corbyn used the last Prime Minister's questions of this very short parliamentary session to focus on this idea that a UK-US trade deal would lead to changes in the way the NHS buys medicine. Now, in general, international leaders don't tend to get involved in the internal affairs of foreign countries. But Mr Trump's already meddled a little bit in British politics. He supported Boris Johnson even before he was Prime Minister. If we remember back to the summer of 2018, uh, when he came over for a visit to, to, to Britain, he, he dropped a bombshell, um, basically warning that the pr- Brexit proposals that Theresa May were, were, were pursuing at that time could actually probably kill off the prospect of any UK-US trade deal. And even his presence here, um, I suspect Mr Corbyn will use that to try to energise Labour supporters to get out campaigning and also to try to shift the focus of the election campaign back onto the NHS. So some kind of an impact from this visit can be expected, but as with everything with Donald Trump, it's always unpredictable, isn't it? When he wakes up in the morning, uh, a large part of the American government is, is, is waiting to see what he's going to tweet next. And that's the leader. There's going to be a lot happening over the next few weeks. You can keep up to date with our audio news bulletins through your smart speaker. They're available at 7am and just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. And every day we'll bring you up-to-date analysis and comment right here in this podcast. Come back tomorrow. We're here from four. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.